because the sort of people they own their future, their happiness, their career, their dreams, their aspirations, they own their communication, they own how people treat them. So a sort of people don't really accept, oh, people uh, aren't, they don't take me seriously. They don't, this is their problem. They don't take me seriously. This is their problem. They, they don't listen. They're rude. They're mean. No, they own what they need and they go after it. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. Hi there, friends. My first book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want, is now out in the world. Thank you so much for your support of the book. With your help, we are a number one Amazon bestseller in the business ethics category and a number one new release for time management in business and business etiquette. I have poured my heart into this book with personal stories and stories for my coaching clients using the values first framework. Between the constant pressure of job performance and demands on your time, it's easy to lose sight of your values, letting them shift out of alignment. Those simple misalignments are keeping you from feeling joyful and fulfilled. Learn how to recenter your life and career around what truly matters to you. Order Values First now at your favorite independent bookstore or at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. I wanna make sure that you are the first to know about every book activity that we have in store, including virtual and in-person events. Stay up to date by joining our list at thecatchgroup.com slash values first. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm excited to welcome this week's guest, Evna Curry. Evna helps professionals speak up effectively with assertive communication without coming across as difficult so that they can be taken seriously, lead with authority, and contribute at higher capacity. This improves organizational diversity, equity, and inclusion, engagement, and productivity. She provides talks, experimental workshops, and trainings both online and in person. She's also the host of the podcast, Speak Your Mind Unapologetically, where she talks about how to disagree, how to get ideas across, how to ask for what you need to be successful, how to handle conflict, and how to give effective feedback by being assertive. In our discussion, we talked about how she learned how to be assertive and how to speak up for herself and her team. We talked about how to use your values to speak up, and we dug into the myths of being assertive. We even talked about a story of when I did not speak up in a meeting along with many other actionable tips and tools for you to speak up assertively. Let's get started. 
Well, I want to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Laura. Yeah, well, I am excited to have our discussion today um, and to kick us off. I'd love to hear more about your story, your career story, and how you ended up being in the space that you're in now. Thank you for asking me about my story as well. I've been in the corporate world and that was my dream to be an executive woman (laughs) for a very long time. So I, I went into that direction and I worked all over the world and with different teams and multicultural teams as well. I worked really, really hard and I studied really hard. I got you know, very good schools, went, got really good grades and, and I worked really hard. And I thought that would do it. That would get me ahead. That would advance my career in the way that had helped me advance in schooling. And soon and very soon, it didn't take me very long to realize that that strategy was not going to work. And so when I joined the workforce, that's when things started to fall apart and not in a, in a negative way, but compared to my expectations of growth, because I was always seen as the example student, someone who's a go-getter and suddenly things were out of my control. And I felt like just being smart and doing good work and, and working harder than anybody else in the long hours and the last one to leave the office and the first one to arrive at the office was not actually helping my career. And that's when I started to realize there's something missing. <laughs> and this, I, I, I let it go. Uh, and I, I was just trying to still do what I thought I had to do, which is, you know, be a great employee until I became the manager and I had my first team. And this coincided with a new job, you know, new geography, new city, and also luckily the best boss I ever had in my life. Mm. who also happened to be my favorite mentor ever and the most assertive person that I have ever met in the true assertive meaning. And I didn't know it at the time because most people don't really know what that means. Really. They think of assertive people as being rude, aggressive, pushy, difficult people that are abrasive and just think about themselves and nobody else. And that's not at all what this man was. But he also mentored me and pushed me to speak up for myself and to speak up for my team in a productive way. So he didn't resolve my problems. He didn't resolve conflict for me. He didn't tell people to quit being difficult with me or with my team members. He coached me on how to deal with all of those situations myself. And that was profound because as someone who was introverted, shy, even I would say socially anxious still at that time, This was a huge learning curve. And as he coached me uh, around things that I didn't want to do, I absolutely did not want to speak up in a meeting, not knowing anything as a 25-year-old with 50, 60-year-old, very senior men on our client side who were angry and upset with our deliveries. I did not want to have to deal with that. I did not want to go to that meeting. I did not want to have the conversation. I did not want to talk to the head of sales when my my team members came out crying from his office. I didn't want to deal with my angry employees who were saying that they were going to quit and they, they couldn't take it. And I was not helping them, even though I was trying to be the nicest, most empathetic person and leader I could possibly be and listening and, you know, trying to take care of them. I, I did not want to use my authority 
with team members who were completely refusing to do their work. I didn't want to talk to other peers or, you know, who were older guys um, who didn't want me to come to their event and didn't want to listen to, to what I had to say. But I had to do all of those things. And, and I learned the power of assertiveness by learning by example, by observing my boss, but also by taking on his feedback and recommendations. And frankly, he was just ordering me to be assertive. He wasn't really giving me the option and doing and applying those concepts. And then that, that's how I realized how powerful these skills were. And then I got to notice that my team members were having these same challenges. And then I got to coach them. And then ultimately, I realized that was something that I wanted to bring to more people. And that's why I'm here. I love that story of the mentor manager and how he let you do it. Because so many times I think managers are micromanaging or they're not teaching the skills to up-level people in the same way that you just described, especially like you said, an introvert, like in it, and it feels like not only did you learn how to be assertive, but also how to have difficult conversations. Absolutely. Because assertiveness comes together with having difficult conversations effectively not just having them for the sake of having them or speaking up for the sake of speaking up and making yourself heard. It's actually being able to influence outcomes. Yeah. And I, I'd love to peel back the onion on some of those myths and misnomers. When we think of assertive, especially I think in women, I think we sometimes people say, oh, you're too assertive or you might be construed as aggressive and all of the things that come with that. Right. And so can we peel back those layers? on what people think it is, but really how you describe it. Absolutely. And I love that you talk about myths. And the number one myth is exactly what you just mentioned. People think that being assertive is being rude, is being aggressive, is being pushy, is being difficult. And it absolutely isn't. And you know that because you studied psychology for a very long time. These are different communication styles. And being assertive means being able to fully express yourself, express your needs, wants, desires, needs, boundaries, goals, dreams, likes, dislikes, rights, opinions, thoughts, disagreements, anything that you want to express essentially in a way that is fully respectful with the other person. That's respectful with yourself, right? Because it leads to self-respect, but that's also effective in getting your message across in the way you intend it to come across. So there's an element of negotiation. So there's, there's a, definitely an element of psychology. There's an element of communication. And there's an element of negotiation in assertiveness and true assertiveness. What people think assertiveness is, is not assertive, is aggressive. And that's a completely different communication. When you're assertive, you control your own communication. That's what you're fo your focus is on yourself. That's why you use that language so much. It's about your communication. When you're aggressive, you try to control other people. There's a huge distinction there and people don't get it. But what a lot of people do is they're passive, which is my story of my life, which is <laughs> I was passive. And if I don't watch out for myself, I, I, I become passive, which is a people pleasing is doing what other people want, not what you want to do, not expressing yourself because you're scared of what other people are going to think of you. And a lot of people that are in that people pleasing passive side, have the fear that if they speak up, 
And if they're assertive, people are not going to like them anymore. They're going to be just rejected and alone and, and just depressed and lonely, and they'll never have any friends. And that's absolutely not the case either, because when you express yourself, people get to know you. Is your authentic side shining out there? And, and that attracts people. Authenticity attracts people into your world. Now, some of the people that are more you know, trying to exploit you, they might not feel attracted to the assertive you, but you don't want them to get close to you. You want to attract people who really appreciate you and who you are, but you're also able to bond and create a lot more connection with, with people as well when you do speak up. Another big myth is that being assertive causes conflict and is confrontational and people hate it. I mean, I did a, a, a survey with a thousand people I'm asking them what are the top reasons why they, they, they're not more assertive at work. And the, these, are, these are the ones that I'm sharing. These are the things that came up a lot. I don't want to, I'm not a conflict person. I don't want to create conflict. This is too confrontational. I'm not a confrontational kind of person. And what they don't understand is that assertiveness actually prevents so much conflict. My life is incredibly easier right now. My relationships flow like, like water after I start to speaking up more. Because now a lot of that, th th those misunderstanding, like a lot of those assumptions are removed and you have alignment with people. They know the expectations are clear. Uh, what you want and, and what you like is clear. People know how to, how to deal with you in a way that, that works. But if you don't, then you just get resentful, frustrated, upset with people. That comes across in your nonverbals and then that damages the relationship over time. And you can absolutely confront a situation and have a difficult conversation without being confrontational. And that's the skill of assertiveness. It feels like it's, it's, yeah, it's like the opposite. It's being assertive helps resolve conflict as opposed to creating it. It resolves conflict. It prevents conflict. It avoids, con it's the best way to, to make sure that conflict doesn't happen and you have great relationships with people. And at the same time, actually feel connected with them and have self-respect and respect other people as well. The quote, to be clear is to be kind, just came into my mind as, as you're talking about that. Just this idea of telling people what you need and being clear about expectations through assertive language and clarifying conversations. That quote, what I like about that quote is that it clarifies the fact that you can speak up and be kind and be empathetic and be generous. And be all those good things that you want to be as a human being, you can do both. There's no either or. You can absolutely be both. And it doesn't deny your personality or, or you know, what, you're, you, what you want to achieve and how you want to be perceived by the world. And then that's another big fear that people have is like, if they're assertive, they're, they're going to lose their authentic selves that they're going to uh, somehow be this person that they can't even recognize in the mirror, <laughs> which is interesting because it's quite the opposite. Assertiveness is about expressing yourself, being yourself, being fully yourself. Yeah. It's so interesting. I'm just, as you're describing all the watch outs, I'm just like, oh my gosh, that was totally me. Like earlier in career, like people pleaser, just inexperienced in the, some of those meetings that you discussed, like being in rooms with people that are a lot more senior, like what might they want to hear from me? Like, what do I, what could I possibly have to say that could be interesting? Right. So this like imposter syndrome inexperience, I'm an introvert. 
like uh, perfectionism, just what if I don't have the answer or what if I don't say it perfectly, right? Always kind of shut me down. And I, w- I want to tell you a story about early in career. I shared in my book and it's so legit. I was hired because I had a PhD, um, but this is like my first job out of grad school. And I was invited to this meeting where this consulting firm research group that we worked with was going to share their ideas. And then the people in the meeting were then invited to figure out how can we use some of their research into some of our products and our product line for the new, you know, couple of years or something. And so it was, to me, it was like, so cool to be in this meeting, right? Like looking back, it probably was not that big of a deal, but it was, it was a big deal for me then. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to like, you know, dress the part and I'm paying attention and I'm, you know, and I'm there with my manager and the CEO and a couple of VPs or something. So the presentation ends and they're like, well, we'd love to hear your feedback. And the CEO says, yeah, we'll just go around the room and talk about, you know, our initial thoughts. And in my mind, I'm like, please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. And of course, he says, Laura, what do you think? And I had a thought and my thought was, I have no idea how, you know, some of those, you know, very, it was a little bit more academic how that fit into our product pipeline that I knew. And that's what I was struggling with. But I instead, do you know what I said? (laughs) I said, can I not go first? And I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust my ideas. And do you know what he said to me? He said, I don't know why you're in this meeting. Yeah. And so that basically shut me down for the rest of the meeting. And then the next person who went was my manager. And he was like, why did he, you know, the look that he gave me, he was like, why didn't you, he was looking at me like, um, you should have said something. And what he said was the thought that I had in my head. He said, you know, thank you for the presentation. I'm having a hard time translating how this research fits into our product line. And I, I mean, I could have said that I had that same thought, but I skipped over my own self. Right. And so there's lots to unpack there, but it it resonated with me so much for all of the things that you said before in terms of how can I share my ideas at the time? Right. How could I have done that in a better way to express my ideas? Because I was in that room for a reason. Right. So I'll pause now after my story to hear your thoughts. First of all, thank you for sharing that story. That's that's a phenomenal story. And I think a lot of people need to hear these kinds of stories because a lot of us are going through this and we we don't talk about it. And then it, and I'm sure it affect it affected your confidence yeah. in that meeting, but also in in future meetings. And it and it's confusing and you don't really know how to deal with that. And you had actually, you experienced backlash because you didn't speak up. Which yeah, is, it was the opposite, right? It was the I opposite. Said, I could have said anything but that, actually. I, that, was probably, much. that was probably the actual worst thing to say. That was the worst thing you could say. Yeah, and that's what <laughs> I, and I was afraid of saying the wrong thing. And that's a literal, that was like a very good self-fulfilling prophecy there. Yeah. Usually the wrongest thing is to say nothing at all. And basically that's what I was doing. I was giving up my, I was giving up my voice. I was skipping my own voice. Yeah. And when you, when you when your manager had pretty much the same idea or thoughts as you had, and we do this a lot. And another thing is generally 
in a situation where you're not the most senior person in the room. Yeah. You know, the sort of thing to do is try to speak as soon as you can. Mm, that's that so first true. opportunity that's best because you can say anything after 10 people have shared their ideas you have nothing left to share yeah that's such a good strategy and you have to pay attention to what everyone's saying and make sense of it all and at the same time the anxiety is building because the person right before you could share exactly what you have to say like what do I say how do I come up with a new thing so I love this idea of trusting yourself right? First, trusting yourself. You're in that room for a reason. Actually going first, so key. Oh my goodness. I had a prime spot and I let it go. That's why this is such a good case study to dive into. All the things do not do, right? You're in there for a reason. They want to hear from you and they generally want you to be successful. Now that CEO was not ideal and I got to know that later, right? That's fine. But that's neither here nor there. But the other thing that I do now, I, I, you know, I got better at this. Um, that was one of the strategies, just like you said, I would speak up first, or I always, I also like asking a question. If I don't know the answer, if there's a question that I can ask that will spur other people or other ideas or move the conversation in another direction, I think that's another powerful way to do it. Especially as an introvert, I'm always, I'm thinking, like I'm literally thinking a lot as people, I'm connecting dots and stuff. And so sometimes the best thing to interject or to, to speak up about is the question that's on your mind, because it might not be on everybody's mind. Absolutely. Questions are phenomenal ways to participate. And there's so many other ways. You, if you have nothing in your mind, you're blank. You, can, you don't even have a question. You're just frozen. You can always reinforce something that somebody already said. Say, you know what? I really like when you said this. I mean, that's already a comment in itself. And we'll get things moving. And people love to hear, you know, to be validated in front of other people. Um, so there's so many, many ways that, that you can do this. And I love that you said, you know, trust yourself because yes, we have amazing things to contribute, but even if that fails, and even if you don't trust yourself, and a lot of leaders say this, it's often better to say something and be wrong, but say it with certain conviction than to hesitate, right? Hesitation is not going to work in a meeting like that where you're with like a president, senior VPs. You could, you could say, hey, here's my thought. I mean, it's your thought. Therefore, it's not been, yeah. it has not been qualified yet. It's not, yeah. been, not an absolute truth. So it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, it doesn't even have to be right, but it's something that you put out there and it's going to, and here's the goal to contribute for the discussion, to move one little step forward, not for you to bring the most brilliant idea that's going to solve all the problems in the meeting. Because by the way, people don't like that. They don't like people that come in and just tell everybody what needs to happen and what needs, what needs to be done. They like to be part of the process. They like the co-ownership process. So when you bring a question, a comment, anything, even a compliment, you're, you're advancing the conversation and that's all you need. The world is getting more and more complex and a bit chaotic, pandemic, social unrest, recession, hybrid workforce, you name it, it is here. And it's hard to navigate home and work for yourself and for your team. And what about time for you? It seems non-existent. Our recent podcast listener and reader told me the following. 
This has been a light bulb moment, knowing my values and then identifying boundaries to protect my values and building systems to support those boundaries. It's been incredible. When I've broken one of those boundaries, remembering my values has kept me focused. In Values First, this book can give you the tools to build those boundaries, but more importantly, how to keep them with a proven framework to identify what matters most to you and the motivation to build a sustainable plan. Values First, how knowing your core beliefs can get you the life and career you want is now available wherever books are sold. Go to thecatchgroup.com slash values first to learn more and stay connected. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. I love the idea of advancing the conversation. You don't have to have the perfect comment or the perfect answer always but it's advancing the conversation. So that's an example of when you don't know what to say. And I'd love to transition kind of how to be assertive when you need to stand up for something. So you, you and I have had previous conversations about the philosophy that I have about values, right? And so this idea of understanding your values, giving clarity to your values, using your values as like a way to make decisions or in points of conflict. And I find as I'm building boundaries that there are certain conversations that I'm just dreading having, or there, there might be a point in time where I know I have to have a difficult conversation because it's a, it's a conflict in my values or a misalignment in a value. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on how do I use my values to guide when I need to be assertive or more assertive or in those moments that I need to stand up for what I believe in or a boundary that I need to have to keep alignment of my values. All right. So there's two aspects here. The first one is to decide when you need to be assertive. And the second one is to use values to support your speaking up assertively. And so to answer the first question, which is how do you know when you need to be assertive? You don't have to speak up all the time. Usually when there's something, like you said, there's something's off. You experience a negative emotion. It could be frustration. It could be anger. It could be resentment. It could be confusion, especially after an interaction with someone, because it's more likely that that negative emotion somehow came from that interaction. And again, you're looking for clarity, right? The emotions are confusing little things and you don't know how to make sense of it, but you know that there's something there and it's not good and it's not comfortable. It could be fear as well. Those are a very important sign that, hey, like something's going on and you probably need to have a conversation. And that conversation might initially not be like, hey, you need to do this or here's my boundary. You need to respect my boundary. It might be clarifying what's going on, Hmm. trying to understand what are the, the assumptions that are unsaid? What are the assumptions that the other person has about you? And that's coming through in in their expectations or or what they're saying or their body language or their nonverbals. What are the expectations that you have of the other person that they don't know about? And now they're behaving in a way that goes against what you want of them um, or even assumptions that you have around what they know about you that you might think that they they know that you want a promotion or that you want to be part of this meeting or that you want to have more responsibilities or that you want them to uh, not schedule meetings at 7 a.m. because you have to deal with family matters. Yeah. But they don't know that, that you'd need that. And so clarifying a lot of these assumptions both ways is an assertive conversation. 
and a very important one to start with when everything's confusing and when you have those negative emotions. So that's the first part. But also if someone, you know, part of that is, okay, you feel like someone's taking advantage of you, is treating you poorly, is being aggressive with, you know, with you. Um, any of those things, sometimes we, we do things that attract that kind of behavior and the nicest people. And so yeah. is trying to understand what's going on and, and realizing that a conversation needs to be had. And that's an assertive conversation. That's the part one. Yeah, I really liked, before you get to part two, I really liked how you talked about it's either, it's almost pointing towards when you need a boundary or if a boundary has been crossed. So kind of both ways, but in both, you're cued to have uh, assertive conversations to really have clarity and set expectations. Absolutely. Um, And again, something that negative doesn't necessarily have to happen, but if you have an aspiration, you have a goal like a highly assertive person would ask for something for help even if they know they can do it themselves just because they know it's a quicker easier route to get it done and way to get it done and that someone can actually help them why not so you can use assertiveness to to go after your goals and, and get to get to them faster and prioritize your own needs as well and then the second part is the values there's a mindset to being assertive. And part of that is believing that this is something that wasn't happening with you in that meeting and didn't happen with me in many meetings when generally when you're more junior or you're different from other people in the room is believing that whatever you have to share is valuable and is, is as valuable as what anybody else has to share in that room, that your voice is meaningful and is worthy of being heard. And so understanding and believing that you're an equal, your title might be lower but that doesn't mean you're not equal. You're, the value of what you have to bring isn't equal to someone else in the room. And that is not worthy of being, of being heard. So that sense of equality, in a sense, right? Aggressive people think that they're better and that they deserve more, right? Passive people feel like they're, they're worse than others. They, they deserve less and less talking time and less, less opportunities. But that's not the case. An assertive person believes in equality, and that's an essential value of assertiveness. But they also believe in authenticity of being able to be yourself fully, which means expressing yourself fully, again, with respect, which is a third value, is respect. Respect towards others and respect towards yourself. And here's the the tricky part. Respect means something different to different people. Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out what, what respect is for other people. And you have to communicate what respect means to you. Otherwise, how are people going to know? And the fourth value I want to share is the value of ownership, because the sort of people they own their future, their happiness, their career, their dreams, their aspirations, they own their communication, they own how people treat them. So a sort of people don't really accept, oh, people uh, aren't, they don't take me seriously. They don't, this is their problem. They don't take me seriously. This is their problem. They, they don't listen. They're rude. They're mean. No, they own what they need and they go after it. So ownership is an, an essential part of it. And so, for example, they'll say, you know, I, I'll make myself understood. If they don't understand me, I'll make it happen. I'll make sure that they understand what I'm trying to say. And then the, the, the last value that I want to share is the value of courage, because sometimes it is hard to speak up and you don't feel confident speaking up and you don't believe in yourself, but you still speak up because you find courage. And I think courage can also come from a lot of the things that you talk about in your book and your materials, which is, again, your own values as well and priorities. 
I love um, how you just described passive and assertive people believe or do different things. And I was having some like cognitive dissonance because I think I am assertive now, but I still don't identify my, I wouldn't describe myself that way, I guess. Maybe people who know me would, I am pretty direct, but I haven't always held that belief for myself, right? I haven't always done that. I showed you a very clear example of that early in career. And so the way that you said that, it was really interesting how I was thinking, oh, I I do feel that way. Oh, I do feel that way. And it felt very affirming and more I'm in control of the narrative that I have more, I don't know, that I have more control to live the values that I want and I deserve it. Right. And I think I really like the um, these two things in combination the identity of being assertive in this new frame of reference that you've given us today, as opposed to those myths that we talked about earlier. And it, I'm owed that to live that life of my values. I will assertively talk about them. I will have my boundaries, right? I will talk about my boundaries. And then hopefully that then models for others, just like your mentor did for you. And you can then teach others to do the same thing. Absolutely. You said it beautifully. And people will also respect you a lot more when you speak up, when you share your boundaries, when you share what you need and your want, what you want to be happy and successful. And in reality, I mean, you've been a leader in C-suite um, and, and I've had teams as well. And we've also been on, on the other side, you know, where we, we have our own uh, bosses and leaders. But as a leader, you want your people to tell you what they need and want and, and to be happy and successful. You don't have to guess every time and make wrong guesses. You want people to speak up and be clear. And ultimately, the decision might be yours, but you would like them to express their preferences. And it's so much easier that way. It's very well said. And I really appreciate your thought leadership on kind of changing our mindsets about what assertive is and how we can practically apply that, especially with the lens of values and boundaries. It's been really fun discussion. And how can we stay connected to you? What other things would you want to tell us about? Yeah. So uh, you can visit my website at assertiveway.com slash free. And I have a 10 day online challenge on how to be both assertive and likable for those people who are uncomfortable losing their likability. You can be both and it'll walk you through a 10 step process to do that. Um, And also there's my podcast, Speak Your Mind Unapologetically with tons of episodes on how to speak up and do so in a way that's assertive. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing the space um, and your thought leadership with us today. It's been a really fun conversation and we will put all of those links in our show notes so that we can connect with you. Perfect. Thank you so much, Laura. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.